0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Doom Productions podcast, a podcast hosted by Doom Productions. I'm Jordan. And I'm Ethan. And every week we meet on Monday. Yep. That's the day when we meet. It's when we get together. We talk about our film projects. We talk about our YouTube channel. We keep track of what we need to get done that week, that day, that month. Uh, It's our organizing day. Is that about accurate what Mondays are supposed to be? It's work day. It's work day. and sometimes the means can go very long sometimes they're pretty brief it kind of just depends on our workload and what projects we're working on Mm -hmm. uh this week was felt pretty light actually it was pretty good we're just kind of heads down yeah we know what we need to do and but inevitably no matter how much work we have we always get sidetracked uh and we'll talk about movies because you know we don't see each other every day so if movie news comes up we'll talk about it or um, there there's a movie we just saw we'll talk about that or live stuff or whatever we'll get sidetracked with lots of things and we try to keep it on track mostly we'll try to get that stuff out of the way before the meeting or after the meeting but it always slips through during the meeting yeah and we tr- but we try to keep it to a minimum during the meeting so we're actually productive because we could just go on and on all day however there are two things we have two exceptions to this rule
1: these were like set as foundations for our for Doom Productions very early on when we started meeting, like back in 2020. These were like established rules.
0: It was, you know, we're going to keep it on track unless what it has to do with Zack Snyder or Star Wars. Star Wars. And this week was uh, May 4th. Yeah. It was on a Wednesday. Uh, yesterday was May 5th, mm-hmm. Revenge of the Fifth. Of the mm-hmm. There's no thing for the 6th. It's believe. my birthday. Oh yeah, yeah, it's your birthday. That's right. I turned twenty six. So a of diehard Star Wars fan was born on this day. <laughs> uh so it's a special day. It's a special week for Star Wars. Uh and we, we didn't really do a Star Wars thing last year, I don't think. Like Not we really. didn't no. we didn't do a May fourth celebration. Uh but it's it's something that means a lot to us, the Star Wars films and that franchise and all that. And just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. And because we love it so much, and it has to do with film, and and it's one of our rules built into the, the, the 10 Commandments of Doom Productions. Uh, thou shalt talk about Zack Snyder and Star Wars as much as ye want. Um, we figured, hey, instead of you know procrastinating about Star Wars or procrastinating at our work and talking about Star Wars. Let's just record us talking about Star Wars. So, All things Star Wars. So
1: this is what any given Monday sounds like if you were to <laughs> pop in on a Doom Productions meeting. Really. And be right there as the rabbit trail unfolds.
0: Yes. That's like,
1: this podcast.
0: That's what we're going to do. We could go into some wild territory here. Um
1: we haven't pre-planned this one too much.
0: No, we're we're um our channel and our 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 doom productions were mostly about filmmaking and, and feature films
1: that we make feature films that we make and advice.
0: And we do talk about films from time to time, but I feel like when it comes to star Wars, it does dip that toe into the, the kind of fandom aspect of it,
1: Mm -hmm. which,
0: which we haven't really, I don't, I mean a little bit, I mean, obviously people know we, we like Snyder, yeah. DC mm-hmm. we like superheroes just
1: superheroes pop culture stuff is really interesting to
0: us we, we do li- we do enjoy that and all the genres and whatnot but um I th- we haven't done a full-blown discussion yet I think Mm-mm. on any one thing so this is us I guess not You're, coming yeah. out as nerd uh, as, as Star Wars nerds but like kind of like if you want to know what we're really like uh, I guess yeah listen to this
1: the unfiltered doom productions experience.
0: Really. And and so our our guiding question for today uh, is what makes Star Wars, Star Wars? Mm-hmm. So if you're a Star Wars fan and you just jumped onto this, um, you know, that's what we're going to be discussing. Yeah. If, if, if you're just a film person, you don't care about Star Wars, maybe this isn't the episode for you. Maybe skip around. Maybe we'll convince you to become a Star Wars person. Or though. yeah, yeah. Feel free to listen. Uh, and if you're just here for us and you want to hear us talk, well, you're in the right place we're gonna talk a lot in this one. Oh yeah this could be our longest one yet it could
1: very well be i just had to text my my girlfriend right before i was like hey i know i said to pick you up closer to six but we're gonna record a star wars podcast i forgot about so expect me
0: closer to seven that's great that's great so anyways uh ethan i think th- i have tiny little notes yeah not huge extensive notes. You but got more notes than me. <laughs> my notes for this in terms of this discussion is uh, two halves. What makes Star Wars, Star Wars? Cool. Technically, film-wise, what makes <laughs> Star Wars, Star Wars? And I guess story-wise or thematically, okay. what makes Star Wars, Star Wars? I guess it's probably more straightforward to start with the technically, but technically, mm-hmm. uh, technology-wise, film-formal techniques-wise, mm-hmm. what makes Star Wars, Star Wars to you?
1: Well, Star Wars was born out of, george lucas who Mm -hmm. comes from this era of hollywood where these young up-and-coming filmmakers coming out of like film schools in la all kind of buddies like that it's this new next kind of like next wave like of filmmakers and they were all kind of trying out different things of what was possible Mm -hmm. and in that group was george lucas yeah who is very well known for being someone who um is pushing technology forward in filmmaking so yeah. he's someone who I mean he founded uh, ILM mm-hmm. um, and, and other filmmaking companies as well but all this to say he's someone who is pushing he's groundbreaking in filmmaking mm-hmm. so he's constantly trying out new technologies innovating on things that are either pre-existing or completely from the ground up making new technologies so that he can continue to make Star Wars yeah um, so he so when I think of Star Wars, I think, in a filmmaking sense, you're getting stuff that's new to the table mm-hmm. in terms of filmmaking tools. Mm-hmm, filmmaking um, tools. He created yeah.
0: non-linear editing.
1: Yeah, he like, created the, that. The, like edit- I don't know if any, I, yeah. if
0: many people know that, but George Lucas invented non-linear editing. He Which created is that technology. editing
1: as we know today.
0: So if you are editing on Adobe, Avid, Final Cut, yeah. whatever, DaVinci, whatever you use, uh, trace that lineage back to George Lucas, essentially. Yeah. And of course, he didn't invent editing, of course. No, not but editing as we
1: know today. Yes. You're not splicing film, you're not doing, you're, the digital process, mm-hmm. as we know it today, stems from what he was doing, yeah, um, which is crazy. But then, I mean, again, you're getting um, use of green screen, digital uh, sets. Um, nowadays, we're looking at um, the volume. We were literally just talking about this ahead of time. I know the volume <laughs> that they use in the Mandalorian, and is probably going to become just commonplace in filmmaking. It you was can... used in the
0: Batman, and yeah. oh gosh, there was another movie that just used the volume, and I can't remember what it was. I'm not. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yes, the volume is. Been... But the
1: volume. That's something that George Lucas talked about years ago
0: like
1: like prequel era era star wars george lucas was talking about these idea, this idea of Mm -hmm. what he didn't call it the volume i don't know what he referred to it as but um like a lot of the things that we're seeing come out now were things that felt like that george was talking about or imagining what it could be like 15 years ago
0: when it came to the prequels and how those movies were made a lot of people bashed the extensive use of green screen back then Uh uh-huh but flash forward to today, now maybe it, things are kind of shifting away from that because of the volume. But you look at the you mm-hmm. know mid two thousand or two thousands to two thousand and tens, yeah, uh, that era. Every blockbuster used that amount of green screen. Like mm-hmm. the Avengers movies were all like mm-hmm. those actors just. You know, maybe the floor was real, but mm-hmm. everything else was entirely green screen. And that just became the standard for Hollywood.
1: Well, and again, and people might criticize, well, people did criticize the George Lucas's movies didn't look as realistic or like photoreal as they could have. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the the risk that he was willing to take to push the technology forward. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you can't take leaps and bounds if you're not actively trying every new thing that's out there. Yeah. Like, Would green screen get really good still if he had only used a couple of shots in the movies or kept it to a minimum? Sure, we would have gotten there. But I don't think we would be where we're at today without him and other filmmakers like him, like Peter Jackson, like those kind of
0: James Cameron, James Cameron,
1: those directors pushing forward and letting their movies maybe suffer a little bit in some aspects. But as a whole, like letting an industry leap forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I was re-watching the behind the scenes on the Phantom Menace, and I think he said something along the lines, because they're planning out the, uh, the Naboo battle, mm-hmm. where it's um, the, kind of those rolling green fields and the Gungan army, and, yeah. and John Knoll sitting there, and if you don't know who John Knoll is, he was a huge um, uh, like visual effects person at, at Lucasfilm for a yeah. long time, in an ILM, and I think he invented Adobe Photoshop, wait, okay, I, I'm going to fact check this, because I saw this on, hold on. He's Adobe... got some
1: big... Yeah, he's done some big things.
0: Uh, John... I don't remember Null. that specifically, though. Let's see. I saw... Yeah, he was one of the original creators of Adobe Photoshop, along with his brother, Thomas Knoll. Crazy. Uh, anyways, so John, he's sitting there with John Knoll, George Lucas, and, he, and he's saying, we're changing the way that movies are going to be made. And like he's very conscious of, like we don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to figure out a way, mm-hmm. uh, because we need to, to tell the story... And also, we need to do two more of these movies, so we're going to try to make it easier for ourselves for the next, mm-hmm. you know, episode two, and episode three. But, I mean, we could, just on the technology George Lucas helped innovate, we could, that's a whole day's worth conversation yeah. right there. But... Let's keep going. When we think of Star Wars, I think I think we definitely agree. And some of these we might disagree, but yeah. I, this one we definitely agree that, When it comes to star wars it has to push the technology forward in Mm -hmm. some way well it just inherently does because of the scope yeah these movies are huge and that's something where um if you look at all the star wars movies and i guess where we're coming from with what makes star wars star wars that question yeah we're kind of basing this off of not what we think what we want kind of what the fans think we're basing this like what did george what was george lucas's intentions yeah and basing it off of that because i think we're both subscribers to the kind of auteur theory Mm -hmm. idea where uh the author's intent is very important especially when it comes to a big franchise like star wars where Mm -hmm. the more stuff is made it it could be difficult to maintain that spirit of the original so always going back to George Lucas in our minds is what makes Star Wars Star Wars in yeah. some way so in one way that's new technology yeah some easier ones that are kind of I guess a little uh, I guess easy is is aspect ratio right
1: mm-hmm. yes
0: uh, I think the movies are all two three nine now there have been two exceptions to this which have been really cool and they've they've honestly been very crazy and innovative. When they did change the two three nine aspect ratio,
1: mm-hmm.
0: now wh- what that means if you did not know is widescreen essentially. Yeah, black bars top and the bottom of the screen. Uh, one instance when they changed this is it Rogue One. Well, Star Wars Rebels. Oh Rebels. The TV shows presented in sixteen by nine. Clone Wars is two three nine to one, mm-hmm. but Rebels is the full frame fills up your whole TV, and it's that has an interesting aspect when you change that aspect ratio because you know visually it doesn't necessarily look like star wars like mm-hmm. cinematically but it definitely feel like everything else does feel like star wars yeah um and but what it does is it makes you kind of more absorbed in the world and the world feels a little more a bit expansive mm-hmm. and immersive in a way where the images is, is literally bigger than any other star wars image out there yeah so that is kind of interesting way to perceive star wars content the other instance when they changed aspect ratio we, we were together yeah it was the mandalorian while everyone was screaming for boba fett ethan and i
1: we were screaming for the aspect ratio
0: we were cheering because they changed we, the aspect we, ratio
1: we <laughs> i remember us rewinding in season two episode one we're rewinding after the episode finishes we're like wait wait, wait 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 we need to catch that again we need the the in, the uh Action repeat or whatever they call it yeah. in sports. Yeah, instant but replay. Instant replay. Yeah, of when the aspect ratio shifts, when the when the crate dragon bursts out of the ground and it, oh, full screens. We incredible because we didn't catch it when it went up. It's such a it's such a natural aspect ratio change. You almost miss it. It's and it, incredible. And again,
0: it it made the movie or the the show. It made it it made the moment feel big. It made it feel yeah. important um it drew you into that experience a little bit more i mean it's presented on television and that's something that the more cinematic you can make it the better it can be Mm -hmm. or you know as make it feel like a movie as much as you can especially with the star wars thing yeah and so that moment was so big that but we didn't like recognize it when it happened at first
1: because it's so clean it's so perfectly done
0: yes but when it started shrinking on that panning shot Mm-hmm. Of, of Mando riding away. And Boba. We Fett's, noticed yeah. that. Yeah. yeah that we was were cheering. <laughs> um, just to know what kind of weirdos we are. Yeah. Um, but I think when it comes to aspect ratio, when I I mean Star what makes Star Wars stars, I mean, in my head, is that two three nine it's to one yeah. aspect ratio for the most part. Yeah. Um
1: but we're always open to change. Yeah, it would
0: be kind of weird to see 185 or yeah or like four 4-3. three that would be kind of strange I agree. star wars thing but
1: i could see things like star wars visions getting away with it
0: but i think there's instant i mean, that's not to say star wars should never do any of this stuff but
1: mm-hmm. i think as it stands now
0: as it stands now star wars to us is two three nine to one but you know rules are meant to be broken yeah so like if you're gonna if you're making star wars and you change it up uh, put some good thought and intention behind it, I think. Which mm-hmm. I think Rebels and um, and uh, Mando, yeah. Yeah. they absolutely did. Yeah. In terms of um, uh, changing aspect ratio up. What else do you think about when you think of, about the technical side of Star Wars? Whether it be cinematography or or uh, editing or... Yeah.
1: Or um, a big one that sticks out to me, but I think is a little underrated, is transitions. Oh, yeah. Wipes. Talk about that, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just the fact that George Lucas... He uses wipes, um, like iris wipes, and I, I don't know, I've, I'm, I'm using the terminology here, so forgive me if I say yeah. something dumb, but you know where like it's a circle and it closes in or opens up mm-hmm. wide, um, again, like linear wipes, all all, all of it. He Diagonal. uses stuff that, like he uses all of them, like yeah. all of the shapes he uses at some point, except for like a star shape. That's probably the only one he doesn't use, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's all over the place, and it's to the point where it's so iconically Star Wars that if anyone else did it, it would be, oh, you're ripping off Star Wars, or that's that's campier, that's cheesy. Yeah. But Star Wars does it unapologetically, and no one even bats an eye.
0: It is one of those <laughs> things where uh, it's so fun to see the influence that Luke... I mean, you mm-hmm. can see it's... his influences from Akira Kurosawa, because yeah. Kurosawa... K- Kurosawa? I can't, I can't... When you start saying a Wharton name in yeah, a bunch, yeah. you... Anyways, that director... Uh, <laughs> Akira Kurosawa, yep. He was known for those wipes. Mm-hmm. And Lucas uh, used those because he loved Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. And, but when I think of wipes, I don't think of Akira. Mm-mm. I think of Star Wars. Yeah, Even though, he again, George Lucas didn't invent that. That was something he took he inspiration from. He closed the from. book on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, he took inspiration from that. And it's like, oh my gosh, now whenever I see those wives, I can't help but think Star Wars. Yeah. Like, when w- whenever I'm watching an Akira Kurosawa movie, I'm like, hey, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, for uh, real.
1: And if I watch any other media that tries to use it, usually you're going to see that in a context where they're parodying Star Wars yeah. in some way. It's just, again, it's synonymous, yeah. it feels like at this point. Like, I, I, I think about sometimes, like, since we're big on trying different things in mm-hmm. filmmaking, um, again, aspect ratio is a big thing we play with i've i've thought a couple times like oh wouldn't it be funny if we use different transitions like ah oh, no people would think we're being too much like star wars if like, we did that Oh, we won't do that we won't touch it
0: that could be interesting but, yeah but it
1: would be interesting I, to find the ways that make it work i think that's that's what interests me
0: and i think now i'm just going off of my memory and impression so this might not be entirely accurate but mm-hmm. i remember episode seven of star wars and and like the sequel trilogy in general uh-huh. um I don't think they used as many wipes as they did in the original... As, like, the George Lucas films. They probably won't use
1: as many. I'd love to see someone... Ca- I'm sure someone's counted yeah. it up, all of them. And
0: But I'm pretty sure that in all of the original six Star Wars movies, there is a wipes between each scene.
1: Yeah. Um, if not most, yeah.
0: And I I think that's something that... I, I would imagine it's a struggle. It seems like something that feels a little outdated mm-hmm. to some folks. Like, it, we don't have transitions like that in big blockbusters today and so i think there's a there's like a fake wipe in mm-hmm. episode seven where ray opens it's in the inside of like a of a spaceship that's like mm-hmm. dark and ray opens the door and it acted as if it was a slide oh transition.
1: that's clever though
0: um which is kind of a cool way to kind of do a contemporary i guess modern kind of yeah. version of a slide or uh, yeah. a, a wipe. Like a, picture,
1: a picture. I picture. I know I seen you're talking about. That's cool.
0: But I, I think I can imagine if I was one of those filmmakers doing the sequel trilogy that. Because it's such a if it's seemingly outdated technique. I could see them struggle of like, how does that make sense using a wipe here? Because I think when we edit these days, we're still used to from shot to shot, just cut like yeah. a hard cut or a fade or a dissolve or mm-hmm. whatever. Those swipes are inherently kind of star wars in Mm a way and it's interesting to see how lucas used them versus how the filmmakers who took over star wars afterwards did them i mean i think i i think clone wars uses yeah um, clone wars does they use those uh wipes all the time and that that makes it feel like star wars but Mm -hmm. yeah those those um transitions are huge huge part of star wars i think yeah what makes it star wars star wars it's
1: part of the aesthetic
0: yeah um on the editing side of things, I think another thing that makes Star Wars, Star Wars is, I guess, now this isn't always the case, but I guess something, a th- through line that I, I recognize between Phantom Menace and A New Hope mm-hmm. was at the time when those were made, um, those movies really jerked you around in terms of yeah. pacing. Yeah, Like Star Wars back then, from all accounts of people who saw it in. Reception of people back then. That was a fast, really fast movie. Mm-hmm. It threw you into the middle of the action. You had no idea what was going on, and you're just like in on the ride. Yeah. And that was kind of the part of, you know, the experience of Star Wars. And I think, you know, if you look back at Episode uh, Four, it's really not. I mean, compared to movies today, it's it's slow. It's yeah, it's slow. If anything, which is really funny. Uh, and, again, with Phantom Menace, there was a similar thing. I mean, I, there's there's sh- there's uh, footage of George after this, the screening of, of a rough the rough cut, cut yeah. of Phantom Menace where he's saying, uh, it's jerking people around. He uses that term. Like, yeah. It's jerking people around. And it was kind of meant to do that. It was supposed to be kind of very quick and bold with the editing. Yeah. And he even, he wanted to pull back on that effect. And I think the, the sequence he's talking about is the, um, the end of the movie. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the climaxes to all the movies, you know, episode four was the battle on the ships and everything. That's yeah. pretty big and wild. Yeah. Um, episode six is Endor, the space battle. And the Death and, Star. And, like, inside. Yeah. It, yes, the lightsaber fight. Mm-hmm. Episode one is, let's see, it's the Naboo and the Mm plains, Naboo and the palace, space, and the lightsaber duel. Like, four different things cutting together. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, that's not necessarily... I don't necessarily associate that wild cross-cutting climax thing with Star Wars necessarily, but um, I think bold choices in editing, like, that's got to be somewhere in what makes star Wars stars Wars, right yeah or am i alone in that no
1: i i, I totally buy it yeah i'll uh, agree
0: yeah that's yeah i mean i i don't have any much further <laughs> words on that but i mean because i mean again if you look at well if you look at
1: george lucas's history again yeah. um his background as a film student mm-hmm. uh i don't I'm blanking on the the title of his short film, but it's a really famous short film he put together in just film photographs. school of just photographs. Yeah. But the way they're cut together to the score, I feel yeah. like that, in some abstract way, ties a, a strand between that and his climax editing for Star Wars, where yeah. it's a lot of stuff happening at once. And mm-hmm. I think he's again he's very he's a very talented editor. Mm-hmm. And I think um, and I think there's a lot to that statement because um, I know that. Like the early edits of episode four were not good until mm-hmm. his um, then wife, Marsha Lucas, yeah. Lucas, came on to help edit. And that smoothed a lot of things out. But I think as many, f- I don't, and this is me maybe speculating more mm-hmm. than knowing, but as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. thinking about all the ways that I've failed as an editor over time have mm-hmm. built me up into a better editor. And I'm yeah. sure it's the same thing for him where those mistakes that he made in episode four didn't happen afterwards because he knew what worked and what would make it better yeah
0: yeah that's a good point but
1: again a lot of speculation in that statement so yeah george lucas feel free to comment and clarify yeah (laughs) we'll be waiting anxiously for your response
0: (laughs) yeah exactly um i don't know how i would describe the cinematography of star wars but you're the cinematographer. I mean, cinematography wise, what Just makes throw Star, me Wars, Star under Wars the bus here? Because I, I genuinely don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, I tried to think about this the other day and I was like, well, cinematography, okay, what makes I'll Star think Wars,
1: about what contrasts the cinematography of Star Wars. Uh-huh. And because my big example of something that heavily contrasts Star Wars cinematography is very controlled, calculated, locked down. And what counteracts that uh-huh. is Rogue One
0: well I, even yeah. even with the i know where you're going even within George's George's original 6 movies mm-hmm. attack of the clones and revenge of the sith introduced handheld camera movements yeah and uh, snap zooms yeah and i was trying to think cuz i was thinking mm-hmm. think in my head well it's controlled it's on a tripod or a dolly
1: mm-hmm.
0: but but Lucas used handheld. Yeah,
1: and he ripped. He innovated on his own technique. Yeah. So even he. So I don't think Star you Wars is say locked hand- into one thing. Exactly. I think Star Wars again, when it comes to cinematography, it's evolving and it's finding new ways to share the story. But it's all. But what it is is a lot of this. The stuff is very tied into the the story's emotion. The cinematography mm-hmm. is tied very closely to the emotions of the scene, which yeah. is a very broad statement. I mean, anything is. So, um I think George is just very clued in and knows exactly what he's trying to do and moves accordingly slow scenes are a bit more like locked in and Mm -hmm. don't move as much emotional scenes have a lot more movement to them whether that is handheld or not yeah Um, but also i i think what i appreciate about george lucas's cinematography is he sticks fairly wide yeah um like you get to see the whole scene if you're a film student i feel like there's a temptation to be really close mm-hmm. or if you're a newer filmmaker i think there's a temptation to be really close to your your subject and i think george is very good about sh- letting us full scene breathe or giving a lot of depth um yeah let, like you get to take in the environment really well i think he's big on yeah. the world
0: he's he's um in terms of cinematography i almost don't think about the um i guess the camera stuff so Mm -hmm. much as much as like the mise-en-scene yeah like what's happening within the frame yeah and how he packs that full of visuals and meaning and symbolism Mm -hmm. to inform the story that's a yes um i mean easy example the mustafar battle i mean they're in hell yeah they're in hell anakin sold his soul to the devil and and Mm -hmm. now he's in hell pretty much battling duking it out Mm -hmm. um you know fighting and that the kind of volcano is enhancing that yeah meaning behind the relationship um and that duel and at the same time cutting between yoda and palpatine fighting in the in the You're senate
1: literally watching a battle if, of the politics of the world it's there, and good ultimate good and evil Pal- this, yeah
0: palpatine throwing the seats of the senate at yoda i mean that's representing dem- democracy D- is over. dismantling Demo- dismantling yeah. democracy yeah so i think of when I think of cinematography, I think of more symbolism rather than um, yeah. Uh, what's it called? I guess the camera stuff. Because again, the camera mm-hmm. stuff, as you said, is it's, it's, changing. No, it's changing. It's changing,
1: and it's not yeah. It's not tied down. Um, if anyone else was doing it, I'd almost say it's pretty vanilla. Yeah. But with vanilla, you can add fudge and caramel, <laughs> and all, <laughs> yeah. I'll let the analogies sit there. <laughs> um, but,
0: <laughs> and also, but uh, another thing too is. Each uh, Star Wars film ha- always has a very strong closing shot. Oh, yeah. Like, and, like, every single episode of Clone Wars, which George was pretty involved in, those always had strong closing images. So I think, like, that moment when it, like, iris outs, mm-hmm. and then it says, directed by yeah. whoever, George Lucas, Dave Filoni, whoever, um, having a strong closing image like that always feels inherently Star Wars-like. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about all the films, they're all like... I don't know how to describe it. But it's very balanced, the frame. Mm-hmm. There's a proper depth to it all. It's something interesting. It's something meaningful. Like a New Hope, it's the throne room. You know, mm-hmm. you have Luke in the middle and all the friends kind of in a line together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was episode five? That was Luke and Leia on the, on the balcony. Yeah, it's on the
1: balcony. It pans out. You see the galaxy as Lando's leaving to go Epi- find Han.
0: Episode six, it's the friends all together. hmm um one one is in Naboo. the
1: Naboo the the celebration after um Naboo was liberated
0: two is the, the wedding, wedding the wedding and then three is, is the is new hope it new ties hope. in it's yes the, the binary sunset now I don't I say this without condoning or condemning but if you compare that to the closing shot of episode seven mm-hmm. which is that revolving helicopter shot of
1: yeah Ray Le- of
0: Ray of, of handing the saber off to Luke that to me is something that seems in, like not Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. in terms of a strong closing image, it's a close. It's a strong emotional moment, but mm-hmm. it's not
1: as strong visually.
0: Yes, because most of these moments. I mean, there are some moving moments mm-hmm. and closing shots in the Clone Wars, but when you look at the six films, uh, usually the camera's locked down, unmoving, just letting us linger mm-hmm. and think about this lasting image, which the blocking is there in Episode Seven, but. Camera-wise, the, the camera's yeah. moving and it's from a distance and it's very zoomed in, and that it's almost messy, like yeah, a little muddier. Yeah. than some shot It's not clear. And, and again, mm-hmm. without condoning or condemning that, to me, it's interesting to see like that's the closing image of that movie. But then, if you look at Episode Eight, it's the kid with the broom. Mm-hmm. If you look at Episode Nine, it's is it Ray right walking? It's, yeah, yeah it's Ray. It's
1: the Ray Skywalker thing, and it's yeah, it's the sunset.
0: Um, it's it's kind of funny because episode seven's ending that final shot doesn't jump out to me as a star wars type image but yeah um you know take with that as you will i mean that's just interesting to observe i think yeah um what else technically
1: well i almost wonder if we should jump over to uh, that the second half uh
0: before we can can i can i comment on dialogue
1: yes because that's I think, a great thing to address I actually think, thank you for bringing that up
0: because well i think I'm trying to think of how to frame this without trying to like trying to defend overly defend the prequels too much. Because we've talked about this before. We're pretty open about our feelings on Star Wars, especially uh, the prequels. <laughs> yeah. So I, I to me, I think I mean just to put the idea out there initially, I think to me, Star Wars' dialogue uh is George Lucas' dialogue. And George mm-hmm. Lucas' dialogue is direct, it can be flowery, but it's not realistic, if that no. makes sense. It's kind of clunky. It's, uh, it's something that no one would ever really say, but that's kind of what makes it charming and mm-hmm. it gives it the Star Wars kind of feel, kind of hearkening back to old uh, like Flash Gordon episodes yeah. and kind of cheesy science fiction. Well, he removes subtext. Yes. Yeah. N- there's no subtext whatsoever. It's yeah. very direct. Uh, it's on the surface. And I think that probably informs the acting, right, to mm-hmm. a certain extent, because there's no way uh, you can really say like some of these lines in the movies and in, in george's movies mm-hmm. like i'm trying to think of an example I have you seen the clip of mark hamill talking about the line he had to memorize for his audition i i probably have but it's not i don't remember i can't it, so remember I feel free to well, yeah i can't remember it exactly but he says like when he read the sides for his audition mm-hmm. for star wars he was like who talks like this this sounds ridiculous and i'll never forget it to this day and he he can mm-hmm. he can recite his sides from his audition yeah. because it was so bizarre and so weird it sticks with you though and it sticks with you yeah um, and that to me makes Star Wars Star Wars. I mean, again, you do get some kind of awkward sounding stuff like I hate sand mm-hmm. right um, which maybe is it's it's not natural it's not realistic necessarily. but when you think about the character of, of Darth Vader like of course he would hate sand <laughs> like he grew up on a, a planet with corrosive tiny grains, always chipping away at the architecture, getting into stuff. Mm-hmm. It's irritating, probably gives him rashes <laughs> all over. I mean, of course, like, yes. So. And he probably hates the background he
1: came from to begin with as a slave boy. Like, yeah. It's all, it's very upfront. It's served to you.
0: Yeah. And it's not communicated in a way where it's like, um. it's not like this beautifully poetic Aaron Sorkin kind of monologue about how it grains of sand represent are... his soul. Exactly. No, it's just yeah. like I don't like sand. Yeah. Which I mean, these movies are for children. Mm-hmm. I mean, for I mean, That's, that, you that...
1: cannot get past that point. Like you can't not address that. And we'll yeah. get
0: into more of that later. But I think when it comes to the dialogue, this uh, this dialogue has to be understood by children mm-hmm. because it's for children. And so I think when you try to hide it and make it a little bit too complex, it kind of loses its feeling. And I think. I mean, I'm not not to say that acting should be broad and unrealistic, but I think you kind of have to go broad with these movies mm-hmm. in terms of acting and, um, and the dialogue because mm-hmm. it has to be understood by children.
1: Yeah, your themes can't be so buried below beautiful words mm-hmm. that it becomes like you have to take a college course on it. Yeah. But he... But there's so much available still. And, and the, the subtext do.
0: comes within the visuals, yes. not the dialogue. Yes. And I think that, to me, is what technically defines Star Wars the most. Mm-hmm. Um, is you just you just can't... I mean, to me, I, I don't go into a Star Wars movie or show or whatever. I don't expect su- dialogue that sounds realistic. I expect dialogue that's direct, to the point, no subtext. But I'll get that subtext in the visuals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything else we should say on the technical sides of Star Wars? I'm ready to move on. <laughs> this, this, this. Uh, let's see. So, story-wise, or I guess theme, I mean, mm-hmm. what makes Star Wars Star Wars to you?
1: Again, this goes down to kind of where George's roots are coming from, mm-hmm. which is when George was creating Star Wars, he wasn't pulling from... He's pulling from all culture. Yeah. He's pulling from the human narrative yeah and that's all around the world like what if you distill the stories that humans tell each other what are you left with and that's he's um i don't know i'm losing the term what's it called
0: so joseph campbell's monomyth
1: the monomyth that's it thank you exactly i mean that's where he's coming from is this story that i mean if you're wondering why star wars is so dang successful it's because these are the this is the, the soul of humanity is basically what george has discovered <laughs> yes. and is poured into the scripts and the stories of these, this movie franchise yeah um run with that
0: uh i get well i guess it's intentionally archetypal yes and again dealing with visual symbolism and motifs that tap into worldviews and mythologies and religions mm-hmm. to try to find like a universal narrative in, in a sense hmm Joseph Campbell's thesis of all his work was essentially, if you look at all the worldviews and myths and religions, they're all the same story to an extent. He acknowledged, now he didn't go in too in depth on the differences um, between these stories and myths mm-hmm. and, and all that sort. Of. He kind of he kind of didn't address that so much, uh, but he does say like if if we look past the differences, we see that there are more similarities than differences between mm-hmm. them. Some people might disagree. Some people do disagree, um, but it's certainly. I think it's a comforting thing to think about that we all come from the same place, somewhere spiritually, emotionally, yeah. uh, uh, mentally. Like, because I think uh, Campbell was a student of. I'm not sure if he was Young or Freud. I think he was Jung, who's the mm. younger one. Gosh, yeah. Uh, no, there's
1: Freud. Jung studied under Freud.
0: Okay, so he he was kind of like. He was subscribed to a lot of those kind of ideas mm-hmm. of, of the subconscious and the yeah. and the universal subconscious. Yeah. So, I, it's a comforting notion, and I think what's interesting and one of the best, I guess, arguments to George's success was when Star Wars came out originally. You know, Jewish folks and Christians mm-hmm. and Buddhists and. And different people from all different types of cultures would point to Star Wars and say, see, that's what we believe and kind of use Star Wars as a teaching tool for their worldview. Um, Which is kind of this beautiful kind of thing that he was able to give people and and the Mm -hmm. team behind Star Wars because, you know, you know, is it literally about, you know, Christianity or Buddhism or, or any of these other kind of worldviews? No, but like they were all able to find connections to their own worldview in it and so many different worldview people from different worldviews found those connections i mean that's gotta mean something yeah to a certain extent whether it's the power of that movie or to campbell's thesis on mythology and the subconscious um but i think it's important that star wars taps into that to some extent Mm -hmm. in dealing with those archetypes and those themes um that are universal And not so... I'm trying to think of an example. I can't really think of one. I guess, like, it would be weird to have a Star Wars movie... Well, But at the same time, Star Wars covers so many different themes, it's hard to say, like, it shouldn't cover this or shouldn't cover that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the fact that Star Wars does always intentionally dive into a theme is inherently Mm -hmm. Star Wars at the same time. Like, it's it's very Mm laser-focused. I think what's cool is you can even if a movie has a lot of themes that's going through each character in and of themselves dives deeper into certain things like I love there's a great interview um with one of the voice actors from Rebels I believe it's one who plays Kanan
0: would it um, be Freddie Prince Jr. I
1: believe so yeah. I, I believe that's the actor who they're interviewing um yeah but he talks a lot about how when George is like writing Darth Maul mm. how he's like this he's like it's a really funny interview because he's so blunt. Yeah, that that is Freddie Prince yeah. Jr. Yeah, I he's remember so that. blunt about it. Where he's like, "Darth Maul is literally know, Sisyphus, Sisyphus yeah. um, rolling like, his
0: rock up the, the hill,
1: and he'll never do it." Like he and he's and again like that and that applies to all characters in Star Wars, mm-hmm. where every character has such a direct thing where you can trace, you can dig into them and and see their arc and their character and what if a movie has a big theme, each character is going through their own theme as well. I think yeah. I think those layers that Star Wars has. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you read into them, I think they, they sub, at a subconscious level, you can track with it and feel what each character is. is they affect
0: um, us at a subconscious level, yeah. whether we realize it or not, because of the motifs, the visual yeah. motifs. Yeah, and I
1: think what's so cool, um, this was a thought I had earlier, but I, and I lost it, but I, it, it ties in here. What I think is so great about Star Wars is Star Wars doesn't feel like it's manufacturing these feelings in me, even though it yeah. is. It doesn't feel like <laughs> yeah. Star Wars is like, a boardroom
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, telling me how I should be feeling yeah it's rather tapping in through a different way and I think that's what makes Star Wars so feel so special is yeah. it's not yeah it, it's not men in suits wanting me to feel sad at minute 10 yes and happy at minute 20 it's I get to interpret this how I want mm-hmm. I'm left with that I'm given the respect as a viewer. Yeah. But at the same time, like there are these very deliberate decisions made yeah. by George or yeah. whoever else is directing that is meant to bring me somewhere emotionally.
0: I think that's certainly true for the original six Star Wars Exactly. And, like, and I
1: mean that specifically towards the original six. When we're talking about Star Wars here, I mean, it's hard. to It, it, it is just a different conversation with George than without George. Yes. So I mean this specifically towards when George is running the show.
0: And I think what we mean, I mean when we refer to what makes star wars star wars we're always hearkening back to george but when in the terms of the artistry and i guess the it doesn't feel like a boardroom because star wars is a boardroom now yeah like that's the reality it's owned by disney owned by it's run by a board Mm -hmm. all that kind of thing george is no longer the picture so we know now that it doesn't come from one artist whereas before at lucasfilm when he was running things we knew that this was without a george making Mm -hmm. these decisions i mean he sunk a lot of money into the clone wars he sunk a lot of money into his undeveloped tv show Mm -hmm. a lot of money went into these projects that was losing the company money because that was his desire because he he was running things how he wanted to do it and tell these stories the way he wanted to tell them so you know when george was running things star wars was without a doubt run by an artist with a singular vision not Mm -hmm. by a board now successful star wars to me since george's departure mm-hmm. is is star wars that feels like it's not created by a boardroom yeah the further away you can get a boardroom the better the more it can align with a singular person's vision i think the more star wars it feels to me again not sync calling out any particular uh media media uh, films or shows since star wars or since george left star wars but yeah I think just to clarify what do we mean by like it wasn't made in a boardroom because it is yes, funny because yes, it is it made is. in a boardroom it, these is, days. Especially now. <laughs> Every,
1: and, yeah. And then and, and there is a lot of nuance to the Star Wars discussion now yeah. especially with the departure of George. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think we've seen those moments even now since the acquisition of oh, yeah. Star Wars by Disney. Oh yeah. Um, and there's arguments on when and where that is from different fans. We're not going to get into that here. <laughs> um, the yeah. comment section I'm sure in those videos is already going nuts. Um, yeah. So we're not going to yeah, worry about it too much. Um, we're aware that the Star Wars universe is complicated for fans. Yeah, um, this is just our little pocket, yeah. our, our calm little pocket where we're yes. happy to just to enjoy Star
0: Wars sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I guess the best advice I'd give to anyone is just Star Wars is like pizza. Any pizza is good pizza. Mm-hmm. Star, you know, any Star Wars is good Star Wars. I think. But if you like Hawaiian pizza, <laughs> <I know. laughs> if you like Hawaiian Star Wars. <laughs>
1: What would that even be? I don't know. It... You know what? Shoot, I'd watch it.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think, in terms of themes, because we talked a little about themes, what are specific mm-hmm. themes that you see kind of as running throughout important to what makes Star Wars feel like Star Wars?
1: I mean, the theme, and this is going to sound so broad and almost like I'm copying out a little bit, but the theme of family. Yeah. Yes. Is huge. It's huge. It's, cru- it's, it's a cornerstone of Star Wars. Um, it's. Because I mean, the whole the saga, literally the Star Wars saga. Saga is family. It's it's a family. It's, it's saga is an
0: ice. I, I think it's an Icelandic term. Again, yeah. correct us if we're wrong. Yeah, I think saga is an Icelandic term, which real which was just a chronicling of family history. Yeah, that's why it's called a saga. That's why it's the Skywalker saga, the Star Wars saga, because it's mm-hmm. about the Skywalker family.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so directly tied in. I mean, you can't. I mean, the whole first trilogy original trilogy is just about a family drama that happens to be destroying a galaxy
0: yeah (laughs) it's and and uh, i don't know where this fits but i'm i'll Mm -hmm. forget if i don't say here then we'll get back to family but you're good uh the movies aren't uh literal i don't think yeah like they they're star the the original trilogy right it's about the family drama yeah and it's about like the redemption of the father through the son yeah but if you look at the story literally i think it can kind of fall apart because it's yeah. like you look at well, oh my gosh space hitler yeah you're saying that we should forgive hitler and it's all, a yada, yada. it's a parable honestly but i think if you look at yeah. it literally ob- obviously vader i think if we kind of did a real life counterpart with like a real life dictator right yeah it's atrocious it's terrible it's a lot more nuanced than star wars takes it mm-hmm. uh the, it's, but I think, like, the redemption of Vader is something that's kind of, to be understood more metaphorically and symbolically, yeah. how do we apply that in our lives? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's it's to hunt down the inherent
1: good that someone has, that no matter yes. how lot. I think it's very, um, a refreshing story, even though it is simplified mm-hmm. um, in the ideas. It's not trying to, like, pull out every nuance of forgiveness, but to give a story that does show that, like, the, the people we see are so far gone, mm-hmm. like to, to extend mercy and forgiveness. I think that's a cool, even though that might not perfectly fit as a puzzle piece into our yes. daily lives, to mm-hmm. have that ideal to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a man of steel, an ideal to strive <laughs> towards, because yeah. I'm staring at a one, uh, Superman poster yeah. over here. Um, that's how it feels and i think that's where it again like it strikes a chord that all humans i think have in in, in them somewhere um
0: and it's not meant because i i think like if you look at the real life nuances there would be or like looking at it, or literally like why should we just forgive vader he killed all those people he committed genocide i mean yes that's all true but again like you explained yeah. it's supposed to represent metaphorically that no matter how bad people how much bad people are. Done. There's always some good in people, and that's mm-hmm. that's and something... to recognize
1: and call that out,
0: and yeah. call that out, and and help us not look at each other as enemies, but look at us as like fellow human beings and members of the same family. Well, what's... and you see the potential.
1: Yes, because I think what's so driving about vader is the potential that anakin had yeah and to see his son bring that back yeah that's so moving yeah you can't i think vader's story only gets better once we get to know anakin mm-hmm. and to see the ideals that he had and what what a great person he almost was
0: there's a going to that mm-hmm. there was an awesome concept art and i don't know which draft of the script it was for revenge of the sith there's concept art of Anakin on Mustafar with Padme. Mm -hmm. Padme's in this gorgeous red dress with this hood on, and she's got a knife in her hand because she was going to Mustafar to kill Anakin because she found out what she had done. Oh, man. Isn't that awesome? That is pretty cool. That is such an awesome idea. I love that idea. But at the same time, that almost ruins the idea of the thematic idea of Star Wars, which is that Vader always had good in him. Mm -hmm. And it was important to have someone in the original in the sequel the prequel mm-hmm. trilogy mm-hmm. While An- after Anakin turned say there's still good in him mm-hmm. because that good i mean that's what luke says mm-hmm. in episode 6 that through line carries through from episode 3 to 6 padme's love and the, the love of the family mm-hmm. someone still had to believe that there was still good in him mm-hmm. is it realistic of padme to believe that i mean maybe i mean i'm sure some women or, yeah. or people would be still feel that about their spouses after their spouses did horrible things literally yeah but we're supposed to look at it metaphorically not literally Mm -hmm. metaphorically what padme represents i mean is democracy essentially because when she dies the democracy democracy ends. yeah so she's not really a a strong like realistic character necessarily Mm -hmm. in terms of being a realistic character but her ideas like democracy and and love for anakin uh is what carries that through line through episode six and Mm -hmm. that's really important i think yeah
1: and, and then that line is picked back up by luke yes um very and is and is f- fulfilled like he, he yeah. he's able to salvage his father
0: mm-hmm.
1: at, at a point where you'd think there's no going back yeah and that 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 tipping point is what what yeah. actually ends up bringing anakin back yeah um which I, i'm sorry, to bring well, back well i'm sorry <laughs> like I, I, had, I hijacked I your because you no. said
0: your idea of family yeah and i just remembered that thought of like you oh i think you mentioned like it's luke song, saving yeah. his his, mm-hmm. his father mm-hmm. um these movies i mean i guess these situations it's everything it's not should it should not be taken literally or i guess try to be realistic necessarily no. that's not to say that bringing a little bit of realism isn't interesting to Star Wars. I mean, I think, like you said, the handheld camera stuff in Rogue One makes mm-hmm. the world feel a little more real. You're in a war. You're in a war. Yeah. That's interesting. There's some realistic, nuanced themes that the Clone Wars deals with, with mm-hmm. idea of like questioning authority, who's yeah. in power, why do people have... you who are in power, you know, all that kind of stuff. There is some great nuanced conversations there. But I think, overall, um, Star Wars should not be taken... Literally, it's not yeah. a one-to-one ratio necessarily for no. for our again.
1: World. Like I, th- it, I think Star Wars hit. You kind of have to just go in with your soul open yes. to be spoken to, less yeah. so with your like critical thinking.
0: Well, I mean critical. Thinking, I mean critical but
1: thinking, but in this way of not like of not picking...
0: cynical, not like this isn't realistic. Why yeah. would he think this? You're not going to... with like
1: a cinema mind in terms of like what's a real, what's filming real life going to look like? Yeah, and capturing that. It's you're you're going for something deeper here yeah um it, and star wars still lends to that other realism in ways like mm-hmm. it gives you both yeah but it definitely is leaning more towards that soul yeah subconscious human side
0: but i think back to what you said family is very important i mean mm-hmm. every single star wars thing should be about family to an extent i yeah. mean original trilogy i mean you have the literal blood familial family. relations yeah. but then you also have the found family mm-hmm. in well, I guess they are a family because Han and Leia got married and everything. But I mean, there's groups of people coming together in all yeah. of it. I mean, in the prequels it was Anakin, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, Padme. Like that group. It's a family that, yeah. And, and in the clone wars, you don't even cl- get along. It was the clones themselves. Yeah. Right? Being brothers. And then Ahsoka coming into that fold. Mm-hmm. Rebels, it's the ghost crew. Mm-hmm. Mando, it's Mando and the child. Drogu. it's a father and son relationship it's a relationship father and again. son relationship um, i think what makes stars feels like star wars is it deals with family yeah to to a certain extent we
1: all have families so we all
0: have it yeah, yeah. It, and it defines us whether it be found family uh-huh. or biological family yeah that's important i think um, along that line is working together is a really important theme in mm-hmm. star wars is i think he kind of spells it out in phantom menace where it's oh, Anakin, the symbiotic yeah. relationship between the Gungans and the people of Naboo mm-hmm. and how they aren't really getting along. But I think Qui-Gon says something like, you know, if something happens to one of you, it happens to the other. Like, mm-hmm. it affects all of you, this uh, system down here. Yeah.
1: Well, Anakin, um, when uh, Qui-Gon and Padme are over at Shmi's house in mm-hmm. Tatooine, he says something like, oh, people, I wish people Oh, were the biggest together. problem in the, in the galaxy. galaxy is
0: that people... Yeah can't get along or don't get along. And
1: I love how that's a through line to episode nine yeah. where the whole galaxy comes to fight at Exegol. I think that's yeah. a cool through line that, that gets picked up at the bookends of the
0: series. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really important. And I think that's an important theme for a lot of big um, franchises or, or series or, or mm-hmm. stories. I mean, I think you, if you think of Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and Tolkien's legendarium, a driving theme behind that is that people are stronger together. Whenever someone goes into solitude in the Legendarium, they're going to turn evil. Yeah, Melkor, Sauron or Saruman, uh-huh. um, all characters, Feanor, all mm-hmm. characters who went into isolation and that brought them to evil in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And some big moments in his mo- in his books, <laughs> I was going to say movies, <laughs> is when you know the elves all and men all band together, or the the Last Alliance, or the War of Wrath it was, or Any Mm -hmm. of those big moments where people band together to overcome great evil. And I think that same theme is in Star Wars. Yes. And you see that in each of the movies in one way or another. Yeah. Um, What else? What other themes? Um, Democracy to dictatorship. Yeah, political themes. Political themes. Um, How do good people become bad people like Anakin? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's... I mean, Clone Wars and Rebels explored so much. They go deep. It's so hard to say that Star Wars is like this theme. It's
1: I, willing to tackle any theme, but again, it's it goes for the distilled version of the theme. It's yeah. not so broad that it's too nuanced. Mm-hmm. It's but it's not so broad that it's meaningless.
0: Yeah, uh, but I think family is key. I think people working together is absolutely key.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a pyramid where it's yeah it, it goes out yeah but there's these core things that kind of hold everything else together
0: yeah but i think the 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 most important thing and i think this is more of an opinion for me personally but mm. star wars is about the force like as a as a yeah. theme as a concept as an idea in some way or another similar to family i think for me the force has to be there in a star wars yes show or movie um which I think that's um, admittedly a little more opinionated. That's more of my personal opinion. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they made Clone Wars, and there's several, several arcs in that that have seemingly nothing to do about the Force. But I think what makes Star Wars unique to me is tapping is that idea of the Force. Now, we mm-hmm. won't get into what the Force represents, what it means, Yeah. but it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Yeah. And that's... That's what I think makes Star Wars unique. Aside from the... if you, I mean, I think Dave Filoni had a quote somewhere where he said, if you... Star Wars... What makes Star Wars Star Wars is the Force. Yeah, I mean, the spaceships and rockets and technology, that's a fun part about, about it. It's an important part about it. But yeah. at the end of the day, it is about the Force and what that means. And, um, you know, I think one of the most good... Well... Outside of the literal like shows or movies about Jedi, like the original six, I think if you look at Rogue One, right? Mm-hmm. Seemingly not about the Force at all. Yeah. Um, but they are Jin and her father in the rebellion. They do pass that, you know, may the Force be with you mm-hmm. thing. That presence is still there. And especially with Chiru, the, um, yeah, the Donnie Yen character. Mm-hmm. Um, the blind monk who's like this fighter and he's a believer but his friend is not a believer and him taking that leap of faith at the very end and trusting in the force uh, this blind dude in the middle of a war zone like it's so cheesy but like it's so profound and beautiful as to what the you know what that means to you you probably have a very you the royal you you probably have a very different idea of what the force is as to what I am and everybody's like that but Mm -hmm that idea of like giving yourself to the force and trusting and having that leap of faith in a
1: thing beyond yourself thing yeah. beyond
0: yourself i think that's very important to star wars and and that's a good example where there are no jedi in that movie mm-hmm. but the presence of the force was there in a profound way i think that made for interesting storytelling which could be you know i think cynicism today is it's very easy to just dismiss that as, as cheesy or yeah. like overly sentimental but I think it's an important part of Star Wars. and is, You
1: can't say it's not impactful. <laughs> is,
0: is the Force. I mean, yeah. that's what makes it unique. Because, I mean, a Star Wars thing without the Force to me is like Harry Potter without the Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey guys, what if we made a movie, a Harry Potter movie, but it's not about the Wizards. It's about the Muggles. That's not very interesting. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> but, but hear me out. What if it's about a guy yeah. who lives next to Wizards, and mm-hmm. he's a Muggle, and these weird things happen... And he can't explain it, and he thinks he's going crazy. Yeah, right? that's interesting because you introduce the magic, even mm-hmm. though that's a muggle-oriented yeah. uh, movie. Someone write that down. I want to see that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's like almost Fantastic Beast, but a little further with yeah, that, that yeah. character. I can't remember his name. But...
0: Oh, the Dan Fogel character. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Jacob, next Jacob. Yeah,
1: it's the next step of one of those stories. Yeah, something like that. Maybe it's his character like a week before he meets um, Scamander.
0: Yeah. That's, I think, to me, the Force is a, a very important part, very key, and it's a little mm. more of my opinion because there is lots of stars without the Force. But I think, to me, what makes Star Wars feel like Star Wars is the Force, because mm. otherwise it's just another sci-fi
1: swashbuckling adventure. Yeah, or, yeah. exactly,
0: <laughs> which doesn't have a have a, so much meaning behind it. Yeah, as much meaning behind mm-hmm. it. Um, there's one. I have one more thing of what I think makes Star Wars Star Wars. Let's do you have? Do no, you have I any? want to. No, let's do yours. I think the last thing, which I don't know if I've seen... I don't know if George Lucas ever said publicly, but it's kind of something that was relayed to us through Dave Filoni is when he was making Clone Wars, uh, Dave Filoni always... He said that what George would tell them as he was teaching them how to make Star Wars is at the end of the day, it has to be hopeful because mm-hmm. kids need that. yeah, and, and again, these movies are for kids. yeah, These shows are for children. And they're the... And he, I think, you know, we both work with kids and he's mm-hmm. right, you know, kids go through a lot of stuff. Yeah. We don't really think about that so much. And so having a media, like a, a show or a movie or a book or whatever, that is hopeful and gives kids a sense of, like, hope. Mm-hmm. I think that is very important that it's, um, you know, it's for kids and it's something to inspire them to do something with their lives. Yeah. Or give them hope that, you know, tomorrow will be a better day. I think that's a very yeah. important, valuable thing.
1: It, yeah, Star Wars brings out the best in what, we see the world as
0: yeah so as interesting as it would be to you know hey a star wars movie set in hoth and it's a monster movie about Mm -hmm. and it's r-rated about this the the wampa that's like ripping apart so that's cool but that that's not for kids that's not for children (laughs) that's that's... not necessarily hopeful premise-wise i mean it could be at the end which you know For me, if you could check all those boxes of what makes Star Wars, Star Wars, go ahead. But the premise inherently doesn't sound very... um,
1: That's just a monster movie you want set in Star Wars. Yeah,
0: exactly. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Because, I mean, Clone Wars found a way to do a Godzilla movie Mm -hmm. with the Zillow Beast. Yes. But they still made it hopeful at the very end. They still made it... It was still... It checked all those boxes, for the most part, of what made Star Wars, Star Wars. But I think hope is a very important thing. Because, again, when you're making media that is for kids, I think there is... I mean, Caleb said this when he was on our podcast a while ago. But like mm-hmm. when you're making stuff that is for children, I think you do have somewhat a more of a moral obligation to of of what you're putting out there. Yeah. I mean, it's different if it's for adults, but if it's for kids, it's like you got to be careful because kids are watching that and they're very influenced by things. And I'm not mm-hmm. one of those people who's like TV ca- and video games causes <laughs> my kids shootings. don't watch SpongeBob. I'm not that person at all. But you know. It does influence their development and how they perceive the world yeah. to a certain extent. It's not going to make a kid go wild and suddenly go hurt a bunch of people. No. Uh, but, you know, it it can help or harm them. Mm-hmm. And if it's for kids, you should make it to help them and yeah. give them a reason to, you know, want to be alive and want to experience the world and, and find, you know, meaning in life and mm-hmm. and, and, and hope. Yeah. And I think that's important for yeah. Star Wars at if the end you, of the day.
1: Kids should leave movies wanting to see the best... In themselves, in others, and in the world. Yeah. That's what a movie should leave kids with. And I think Star Wars leaves that with you. Yeah. In one way or another.
0: I mean, even look at Revenge of the Sith. That is mm-hmm. such a dark movie. Genocide. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> millions if, uh, die are dying yeah. in that movie. It still ends with that glimmer of hope mm-hmm. of of Luke, the baby delivered to Owen and, and Beru. Um, it's a new hope it's a new hope and i think that's very important that it leaves you although we go through same with rogue one exactly everyone spoilers everyone (laughs) dies at the end of it but you're left with a sense of it wasn't for nothing they didn't die for nothing the fight will go on and continue
1: and emotionally their characters reach a point uh where they're content where in the beginning most of them are discontent
0: yes so i think that's very important um and and again even episode five it's pretty dark right Mm -hmm. like Finds the, out. the
1: team is broken apart,
0: but it still ends with Luke and Leia on the bridge. Mm-hmm. They're hopeful for another day. Luke has a new hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, they're going
1: to rescue their people who are lost.
0: Yeah, it's. I I think hope is a very key part of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, very very good stuff. That was good. Glad Any that up. yeah, anything else we should address Star Wars wide wise?
1: I just really want a lightsaber. <laughs> I think this is the, we don't think we've said lightsaber like more than a handful of times. In the oh whole yeah, thing. yeah, lightsabers are cool.
0: Lightsabers are pretty cool. Um, favorite lightsaber in the movies? Ooh, that's a great question. You Getting know, to I was more a kid, of the less deep questions. When I was
1: a kid, I always wanted Obi-Wan's lightsaber from episode one.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. That was a one. good
1: lightsaber, and Qui-Gon's. I'm, I'm, I like qui I'm Qui-Gons. special, to, I, I, I lean towards those lights. Phantom Menace was probably one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, is it my favorite Star Wars movie now? I'm not sure, but mm. I really love Phantom Menace growing up.
0: I'm I'm partial to the green sabers. Green because oh, Blade, I I, yeah. I, I watch I watched uh, Return of the Jedi over and over as a kid. Yeah, just because in the beginning Luke has that green lightsaber in that hilt. So his mm-hmm. Episode Six look for me. Yeah, and, and the lightsaber included. That's like my favorite.
1: Hundred percent. I think yeah, green is my favorite traditional colored lightsaber, mm-hmm. but um. When I was growing up, my brother played Knights of the Republic a lot, yeah. and you can customize your lightsaber. And when I saw an orange lightsaber for the first time, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's
0: incredible!" So yeah. if I could
1: choose any color, I'd go for an orange lightsaber.
0: Yeah, I think um, I really like uh, what's it? What's it called? The um, oh gosh, what's it called? Uh, Who has it? Uh, Darth Maul. Oh, double bladed. Double bladed. Yeah. <laughs> why does that? Is, why did that name escape me? I was like, oh my gosh, what deep lore thing is he about to reference? No, no, the the double blade. I always love the staff lightsabers. I don't think that the staff sabers got enough love. Oh, no. Um, I mean, I'm I'm so happy. Like, Maul, Savage. Savage Press, yeah. The uh, uh, Asajj Ventress.
1: Her lightsaber can be a double-bladed.
0: Yeah. And uh, the Inquisitors, Mm -hmm. double-bladed.
1: We're about to see Inquisitors live action finally here in just a few weeks. We're close.
0: We're almost there. Um, Favorite... Favorite character? Oh. It's a little bit deeper, but... It's That's kind a of hard question. Co- we
1: can't just go from favorite lightsaber to favorite character.
0: Okay, favorite starship. How about that?
1: Ooh, favorite starship. That's a good question. I know mine. Oh, man. If I... So you're asking if I could pick one to own right now. That's how I'm going to interpret this.
0: Okay, yeah. and Well, I'm just thinking what's your favorite, <laughs> but sure, yeah. Are
1: you telling me you didn't get my favorite ship and it's not parked in the backyard? <laughs> oh, man. If I... Oh. Shoot, you go first.
0: The yellow Naboo star cruiser. I almost went with That's a, my
1: absolute favorite. Naboo starfighters as a whole. I was almost going to go with the royal starship that Princess Leia flies in episode 1, but I think I have to go with the slave one.
0: Oh, that's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. I think classic. particularly
1: Jango Fett's. I like Django the chrome Fett's look cool. a little bit more. Yeah. Not that Boba's isn't bad. I just... I, Jango Fett was... a Episode 2 was neat. It was some cool... Cool designs. Things, cool, cool designs. Cool in all of them. Um, but if I had to choose another ship, I might also have to go with um, the Jedi Starfighters in Episode 3.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought that I had the Lego set. I probably still have the Lego I Legos did,
1: too. One. I had the yeah. Anakin one. But I remember playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 and always loving flying those around.
0: That, yeah. Yeah, those are a good one. Okay. Now, favorite character. <laughs>
1: Um, I think it's got to be Luke. Luke, yeah. All flavors of Luke. I just like Luke. Can't get enough of him.
0: Yeah, he's a good one. I mean, I, I, I see. This is uh, but
1: I, okay. You you, you, you go. No, you no, go, you go. next. So I was about to give my like my second tier.
0: Well, I was gonna say I, I It's so hard for me. I have like the starship mm-hmm. problem because yeah, for me it's the- It's Anakin, Padme, Han. All right, not Han. Yeah. <laughs> because this is characters, not actors, movies, yes. or anything. I don't care for Han Solo very much. I think sir. Sure. I in terms of like characters, I find interesting. He's like the bacon of Star Wars. Everyone he's likes like, him. He's but a great, great like, side okay, character. <laughs> he's a great side character. But in terms of like
1: main core characters, yes. yeah.
0: Although I did enjoy Solo. I thought that was pretty oh Solo's was a fun movie. I like that was lot. a fun movie. But as a character, I'm leaning towards the other. There's a lot more characters I think were a little more interesting. But uh, for me, Anakin, Padme, Luke, Leia. The core Skywalker family. The Skywalker family, and Ahsoka. I think those are my. Mm -hmm. And Grogu, <laughs> I love Grogu. Do you want to add any more to that no, singular favorite character that's list? It. Was, how was that? That was six. <laughs> those are those are my. Fa- I guess I it's gave from one. different era. <laughs> it's from different eras. I
1: will say I gotta also throw in my boys Obi Wan and Qui Gon on oh, that yeah. list. Qui Gon is great. Um, Qui Gon. I read the Qui Gon, uh, the Obi Wan book series growing up when mm. I was a kid. Um, so you got to see Obi Wan's his training pa- as as a Padawan, yeah. and I really enjoyed. Seeing him, but I mean, getting more Qui Gon uh, content, that was really great. Yeah. He's just a phenomenal character. I mean, he's a pivotal, he's what Anakin should have had. Yeah. And I think that's what makes him so interesting. He's the father figure that could have prevented so much of the bad stuff from happening.
0: Yeah. Well, Dave Filoni's, um, his whole, uh, his rant about, Mm -hmm. The, the importance of Duel of Fate.
1: It's, do, it's the doctrines of Star Wars right there, it's, like, summing up.
0: <laughs> she, or, uh, he, he put that duel into, uh, uh, like, a perspective that it was just like, wow, like, I felt that, but it's was like, oh my gosh, yes, like, he put it into words.
1: Yeah. Um. An apprentice of George Lucas.
0: Yes. Very good. <laughs> uh, favorite alien.
1: Oh, favorite alien. Alien species. Oh my goodness. Um I'm a I'm a Yoda fan myself.
0: The the unknown the
1: unknown yeah. Yoda species. I mean, who wouldn't want Grogu? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So I think I got to pick that.
0: I I love the uh Miriolans or Mir Miriolans. They're what uh Barriss are and Luminara oh. Unduli. Yeah. I always thought that was just kind of it was a cool but like simple look. Just a simple headpiece and like mm-hmm. some tattoos on the face and some different skin color. I yeah. love that yeah. look. Yeah. Um yeah. What else is there?
1: One last question. Well, I am favorite planet.
0: That's a good one. I think Naboo. Yeah. Naboo's pretty gorgeous. Naboo's pretty nice. That's a simpler question I was going to ask.
1: <laughs> um, I'm gonna give my okay. I'll, Coruscant. I think I'm, I got to do Coruscant. Oh,
0: Coruscant. I, oh, that's such a great one. Yeah.
1: Between the two of us, we, we got planets covered pretty good, though. Yeah. Those are both great choices. You're a Naboo guy, though. I mean, you like the Starfighters. You like the planet. I guess
0: so. The just that aesthetic.
1: I mean, it is beautiful. It's
0: like sci-fi Rome. That's it's what it looks like. sci yeah, like. it's sci-fi like Italy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just missing Mario in space. <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> well they shot it in Rome right? I know no Italy? they did right?
1: I, yeah you'll see people post like on Instagram like oh I got to go to the place where Anakin and Padme walked or got married or whatever yeah yeah
0: um, what was your last question well I was gonna say favorite movie oh uh, out of the
1: sh- out of the nine
0: or just all of them oh all, all of it all, all favorite all movie it. or show or whatever favorite like oh, I guess oh man thing wow I know it's a tough one because each one
1: it what's hard is each one for different reasons so i gotta figure out what's my like what what the reasons win out almost yeah i'm not gonna even try doing a ranking here yeah. and now um it's, it's fluid it, it, it's all my mood i mean <sighs> you go you, you do yours first give me a minute
0: well i think for me f- Revenge of the Sith. I think I said that in my oh, no. video this week, but like uh, that's my that's my favorite movie. I I look at all 6 as like one movie. Yeah. But I think for me Episode 3 is like no no other Star Wars movie got as big or dramatic or epic. No other Star Wars movie really kind of fulfilled the the genre space opera. Mm-hmm. When I hear space opera, I think of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Cuz it's dramatic, it's big, it's huge. I mean, there's so much more choir in that mm-hmm. movie alone. In the soundtrack for that movie alone. Yeah. It's like... It is. Blows you back. So. Exactly. what? You, yeah. But all six, I love. I, I think I got... I mean, I,
1: I don't want to overlap your answer, but I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it is three for me as well. Yeah. But if I had to do a close second, it's, it's six. And then one. Six is
0: good. Yeah, six. And then one. Six is such a great one.
1: Because yeah. I love to see that. F- again, it's that the redemption of Vader, mm-hmm. but it needs, and that's why it's three, because that's why Revenge of the Sith edges it out, because again, redemption of Vader is even more powerful because of episode three. Yeah. Seeing the fall of Anakin makes his redemption so much better. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, I'm getting a text from my fiance right now about. Um,
0: Where the hell are you? No, <laughs> she was like, hey, do you want anything from
1: Taco Bell? And I can't miss this text. Okay. That's a very important text. Um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of Crunch Wrap.
0: Crunch Wrap is a classic. That's good. But what's. There's some new stuff. I haven't looked at the new I just want to say Crunch Wrap today. Crunch Wrap's safe. Add potatoes to it. Crunch Wrap. Add potatoes. That's like. A match made in heaven right there. This has now turned into the Taco Bell Podcast. <laughs> we need to get Caleb on here so he can be like, what what Mountain Dew pairs? Pairs best? with each with each Taco oh, Bell. Oh my item? goodness. You know, okay.
1: Caleb should make a YouTube channel where he just does an order with a Mountain Dew and he just reviews it's like it's like review of the week.
0: Every episode is a new Mountain Dew flavor. Yeah, but he and like confusing. is like, okay,
1: yeah. I this is the the things I suggest you get with this flavor. Oh, that's good, Caleb. If you're listening, and I know you are, yeah, please make this channel.
0: Yeah, we love that. <laughs> if um, not
1: for anyone else, do it for us. Anyways, bringing us back, the redemption Stones. of Anakin yes. is just so much more impactful because of Episode Three. But again, I, that I agree. getting to see that I'm a sucker for father son stories, mm-hmm. um, and Star Wars is just chock full of it. So yeah. it's. It's all a good time. Just get the tears ripped right out of my face every every time.
0: Favorite I know I said last one. (laughs) Favorite (laughs) score piece of music? Oh not not soundtrack, but singular like track. Yeah. Oh shoot. That's a tough one, isn't it? That's a lot. Because it's easy to say it's easy for me to say like Revenge of the Sith soundtrack because the whole thing. But one piece. You you, you got to send me these questions ahead. Of I know time. I should have. <laughs> I well I didn't think of these until now. Um.
1: Oh it's. Yup yup song <laughs> from episode yep.
0: six. Oh okay. <laughs> no I don't know. <laughs> That's, that was, what's your opinion? that was a meme answer. Okay this is a weird Ooh, okay you're what's about y- I know what's what you're your opinion. Ask. On the change of the yup yup to the new celebration song from the special editions you know
1: what's so funny huh this is a, a tangent of your question that will wrap around I okay promise. okay when I was a kid I only owned one VHS set of Star Wars and huh. it was the set particularly episode 6 yes where they hadn't yet done a lot of the digital effects they hadn't yeah. changed a lot of things like for the and the main thing is the yeah. Sarlacc pit did not have the, the claw mouth yeah it was just a pit yeah And so that's all I knew for Star Wars for a very long time. I didn't see the new versions until I was in like my preteen years. Yeah. Um, so I had no idea about a lot of this, but I'd get like the Star Wars visual guide and it Mm -hmm. showed the claw mouth and I was like,
0: what the (laughs) heck is
1: this? And I'd have arguments with people about how, like, like in the Lego sets, it had the claw mouth too. I'd be like, this isn't part of Star Wars, like what is this? This wasn't... It was like a Mandela effect for me. Oh, of yeah. Of like... <laughs> this wasn't there. Or what were these people talking about? I bet
0: there were like millennial, like, original trilogy fans who like yeah. heard you talking as a kid and they were like, this kid gets it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you were had, like... You would have fit right in with like an original <laughs> trilogy crowd. I didn't crowd. know. I just had
1: no idea that these changes had been made for years. So I was always so confused. So... The digital stuff I didn't know about till much later mm-hmm. in life. And you know what I kinda knew about them? Like I would run into it and be like, Oh yeah, like it was almost like I had this blended mm-hmm. memory. Yeah. Or if I saw one or the other, it didn't jar me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, good example is my mom. She um her family's from Minnesota. She's not from Minnesota, but she'll say things like Warsh.
0: When yeah. She's
1: talking about washing something. So she'll say Warsh. Warsh. And sometimes I'll say Warsh interchangeably. But I don't hear one or the other as wrong. Yeah. Even though I'll make fun of her for it all the time. But like, it's like that where it, like, I, I, I can, I can go either way, <laughs> but that's all the that word to say, wash,
0: that just sounds, <laughs> it's such a funny
1: word. I love job of the it. hut. Wash, <laughs> yeah. So ask me to wash the dishes. So say Washington instead of Washington, Washington. Um, all that to say, I don't care too much, mm-hmm. but if I have to choose one of the other, I'm going to go with the more nostalgic one I grew up with. So mm-hmm. I'll go yup. Yup. If I had to pick a pick. Okay first so.
0: disagreement on the podcast.
1: You you but I, I but again, it's like I don't have like a, a thematic reason to yeah. care. It's more of a just like, oh, I enjoyed that one. Like th- yeah, that was yeah. fine. Yeah. But I do like seeing like the galaxy celebrating. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. I think if I'm watching the OT trilogy mm-hmm. on its own, yeah. give me the yup yup. But if I'm watching 1 through 6, you yeah. give me give me the other you,
0: one. You you summed up my feelings on the special editions perfectly. If I'm just watching the original trilogy, i'll try to watch like i would prefer to watch the kind of more original mm-hmm. versions um but if i'm watching one through six which is essentially the only way i watch star wars anyways yeah. i prefer the special editions because it ties in everything ties in everything uh, you'd see coruscant you see coruscant they put in emperor palpatine mm-hmm. um in episode five yeah um yeah i i and ce- celebration song i think you know to me that's a little bit more uh big, grand. It sums up yeah. everything. It'd be kind of weird to cut to Corson and just having the yup, yup song. <laughs> I think a little funny though. feel a little bit um not matching. So I love how big the ending feels. Yes. Um yes. And especially like adding Hayden in as a ghost. Like if you're 100%. watching it one through six, that is so meaningful and impactful. And I think that probably meant a lot to Hayden playing that character, getting mm-hmm. to play the rise, the fall, and then the redemption. Yeah. On all that. Um, gosh, the special editions, that's a whole conversation. In that's so. a whole
1: second podcast. Um, um, I never got back to your other questions. Oh, the about sound, the, score, the score. The score.
0: We didn't neither of us answered that one.
1: So you go first. I'm gonna be over here on Spotify Shoot. real quick.
0: You can't ask a question and I'll answer oh, gosh. It's I think... a great
1: question, honestly. People, everyone in the comments should I don't we haven't called for this yet I know. And we're very late in, but leave your answers please. Because yes. we wanna know. Yeah. Don't argue about Star Wars. Don't just tell us what you like. Or if you want to argue, that's fine, too, because we get good engagement on that just by comments. So, it But but we're a positive place here.
0: Gosh. This is such a difficult question. I Okay. Um,
1: you asked this without even having an answer. No, it's I did It's incredible. Didn't.
0: I think Duel of Fates. Yeah. I'd have to give it to Duel of Fates. But every bit of music from those movies is so iconic. I guess if I had to pick one from each era, each trilogy. Mm. No, Battle of Heroes battle of heroes. I I you to say battle of heroes I, that was up there? did I tell you my fourth grade music story? No. I think I've said this before. Maybe. This is a little um when I was a kid, I didn't listen to pop music or like radio music. I didn't really care for it at all. Yeah. The only CD I had was the Revenge of the Sith CD. It's still right there on my <laughs> desk. Um that was the only I just listened to the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack on repeat when I was a kid. And I didn't li- I didn't know it was on the radio. Mm-hmm. And one day in fourth grade, we're in like a circle. We're passing around a ball, you know, morning question or whatever. Yeah. And the question is, what's your favorite song? And it's going from kid to kid going like, Britney Spears, Avril Lavigne, you know, uh, Black Eyed Peas, whatever. Yeah. And then it comes to me. And all I know is, and I say this, I go, <laughs> Battle of Heroes by John William on the Star Wars Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith soundtrack. That's an amazing And st- the room answer. got so quiet. <laughs> they were just like, <laughs> What? And then I passed it, and then the next kid was just like Britney Spears or whatever was was popular.
1: And Jordan never shared what he liked ever again. I know I didn't.
0: I didn't listen to like um, I used to like only listen to like music scores or whatever, or like Harry Potter soundtracks or whatever.
1: And y'all wonder why Jordan's soundtracks are so good in all of our <laughs> movies? There's the answer. You got to start young. I'm a
0: failed John Williams, um, Battle of the Heroes from prequels. I think from the um, the originals. Yeah. binary sunset because that's classic r- classic and then the sequels uh race theme from i love race such theme. a good race
1: theme is amazing yeah yeah no i gotta agree with that on this in the sequels for sure it's Ray's theme um i like snoke's theme a lot too i think it's yeah. a really good theme um what's hard i want to be listening to these I know. but i'm like oh shoot con- it, I, i you could just it, say when they play in the movies too I I, you see, I want to listen to them. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I I might pin a comment down below my answers or yeah. something. I, I don't think I can do this here. Um, there's too many. There's too many good ones.
0: Oh, sound. We didn't even talk about the soundtrack when it came to what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Oh man,
1: there's too much. See, Star Wars is such a complex topic.
0: Maybe we'll do a follow up at some point. We might have to. Yeah, with this a, podcast
1: does real well. We'll do it for sure. But yeah, we know uh, what? we'll do it anyways, and then we'll do a Zack Snyder
0: one. I know, I know. <laughs> um, okay, what are other other so we talk about movies i mean vader's theme or the the imperial march March. yeah i think that's
1: got to be up there
0: i've been so i'm in the morning stations at our school we have um morning stations so Mm -hmm. kids go eat breakfast then they go up to a different room yeah i'm in i'm in jody haven's room oh that's wild so I'm, i'm in there with her and we've been playing um uh uh, Has she recognized you yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, finally. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a conversation about it. We, um, we had a, uh, we've been playing orchestra music for the kids, like oh, on the cool. projector. So a lot of John Williams. And a couple of the mornings, we'll blast the Imperial March, and we're right by the hallway where kids are walking in, and that's such a song that's just like "Welcome to School, Kids," <laughs> <laughs> as the Imperial March is like blasting. You know, I, it's, it's loud speakers. It it plays really big. I man. gotta
1: tell you my school story now. Actually, I'm just remembering. Um... When I was uh in elementary school, probably third grade, we had to do a music class assignment, give a presentation on a composer, and I did John Williams. Oh nice, yeah. And so I had to play a bunch of his songs. And again, it was the same thing where like kids were like, Here's the gorillas, here's this <laughs> yeah. and it's like, Here's John Williams. Yes, that's great.
0: Yeah, <laughs> He's the no, that's same exact thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh but really like man never made a bad score. No. Nope. For for really any movie. You don't miss. Or... Uh, um or just Star Wars in general. Like every single movie had like some new theme mm-hmm. that was like, yes.
1: He just kept on giving us more of what we wanted without us knowing we wanted it.
0: I'm excited because have you read the Kenobi news? Mm-mm. He. Uh,
1: Is he doing more?
0: So when it came time to doing the score, Natalie, whatever, I can't remember the name of the composer for Kenobi. Mm-hmm. She said that when John Williams heard about the Kenobi show, he wrote to kathleen kennedy and was like so i never actually got a chance to give obi-wan a theme can i do that now and so he wrote the main theme oh my goodness i didn't know that that's incredible so kenobi's obi-wan's theme is going to be debuted in debuted that. in wow. the Kenobi show because if you think he his theme yeah, he never really one he doesn't really have one there is that's so cool yeah we listen to that on repeat I know, it's exciting. That needs to
1: just become part of my DNA now.
0: It's kind of like how... It's not the exact same thing, but how Ludwig uh, Gorason mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah. He did the Boba Fett theme, but he didn't score the show. Mm-hmm. So it'll be cool to see how it kind of weaves in and out the Kenobi show, the, the theme and all that. That's cool. The music. Wow. So many cool things. Favorite lightsaber fight? Ooh. There's one. There's a good superficial question. <laughs>
1: Ooh. I mean, it's got to be anakin versus obi-wan yeah it's gotta be i i I have to agree i revisit that one on YouTube. i'll just look that up on youtube (laughs) and just watch
0: that fight (laughs) i love watching choreographers (laughs) perform that fight it's so cool yeah that's the one you see like all the different emotional most
1: it's again it's like and it's like cliche answers we know but like at the same time it's like that's the peak like that's what all of star wars is building to is that moment yeah um, and you can feel it. So it's like, maybe it's cliche, but it's... It, it, I mean, the only other one I can think of that's pretty cool, it's not even really that much of a lightsaber fight, but it's uh, Sidious and Yoda. That's well, not even much same, of
0: a... That's the same one almost, because yeah, it's, it's in it's the same sequence. In. It's cross yeah. between the
1: two. I mean, Duel of Fates obviously is super dope. Honestly, a cool little underrated one that's pretty short is Qui-Gon versus Maul in the Desert.
0: Yeah. One that I always remember. This was one of my earliest memories of like like hearing people react to movies mm-hmm. was in episode two like oh and because remember and fight. up until that point yeah we had never seen yoda carry a lightsaber no or reference carrying a lightsaber when he hobbled out of nowhere <laughs> and was like talking smack to, to dooku and then he pulls out his lightsaber i remember the crowd screaming like like well not end game levels but it yeah. was like oh like (laughs) no one no one knew yo i don't know if it was in the trailers or not no no but from my memory no one in the crowd expected or knew that yoda was going to fight with the lightsaber in this one and it's awesome and that was awesome because he was a puppet up until then so he couldn't yeah so that one always sticks out to me it's just like seeing yoda with the saber for the first time is uh pretty wild
1: also yeah revenge of the sith Mm -hmm. or not revenge uh, return of the Jedi mm-hmm. uh, Luke versus Vader
0: that's a yes that's a great one again
1: another pinnacle moment um, and episode five when Luke fights Vader mm-hmm. that's a really iconic scene. I mean there's so many yeah. shots in that I think that are so like when I think of Star Wars like when they're on in the uh, cri- uh, the um, carbonite freezing room and yeah. it's that silhouetted shot with the blue and the orange of the floor and they yeah. have their lightsabers out but they're just silhouetted that that's like a like a top top 10 shot frame that, of Star Wars. That's, a,
0: that's really where the lightsaber fights became about the environment and kind of really using mise-en-scene to enhance the story mm-hmm. of what's going on. Because in, in in episode four, it is like a cool samurai battle. Yeah. But it's on the Death Star. There's not a lot of it's not texture. Like, yeah. There's not a lot of interaction with the environment it's going on. little sterile,
1: comparatively.
0: Uh, which is, I mean, that's the purpose of the scene. But yeah. in episode five, you know, it's like smoke, yeah. dirty, they're running all over the place. Once he gets his hand cut off and he's standing over that big chasm. Yeah. And it's just overlooking every, like... He jumps into such the a void. Big, yeah. yeah. Such a big moment. Um. Yeah. Also, also um, well, you haven't seen the finale of Clone Wars. I haven't yet. There, There is an amazing lightsaber fight within the last, I think it's episode... It's Ahsoka it's, versus Maul, isn't it? Okay, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm very Ahsoka aware that it happens, yeah. That's gotta be one of my moment. favorites.
1: Also, um, right. Kylo and Rey teaming up in episode eight. I oh, like, yeah. That's the, a really good throne, lightsaber fight. Or what, The throne room battle yeah, throne room. after Snoke is uh, killed. Yeah. That's a cool battle.
0: I'm trying to think of what other lightsaber fights there.
1: I mean... <gasps> also, uh, a great emotional one, honestly, uh, probably one of my favorite parts of episode seven is Kylo versus ray in the snow oh yeah that's a good that's a cool one
0: when she grabs a saber that was a great
1: i yeah that that emotional beat of him trying to take the lightsaber and her getting it Mm -hmm. um that beat just lands so well for me
0: i think it's not a lightsaber fight necessarily but luke popping up in uh mando yeah (laughs) we were freaking out we, because we watched it two, You and I were here. We were here, right? My whole here. family was here. Yeah,
1: we were telling people to shut up because
0: <laughs> people were talking. Yeah, <laughs> we that was uh, uh, that was pretty incredible. That was that that was next level. Yeah, I think in terms of, I mean, I think there's a lot of movies these days that kind of, either they use the term, I don't know where it came from, but like weaponized nostalgia, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like using old things, member to, berries, yeah, member berries kind of thing. Whether that's true or not, for that. I think Luke is probably the best in Mando season two. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best example I can think of, of like, like it working, I think, because mm-hmm. a lot of times it doesn't work so well, but I think it really or it works. works
1: one time, but on uh, every viewing after it kind of tarnishes a little bit. I think
0: the, I think it still works mm-hmm. in Mando season two because it's a natural place. I think it, that. Him showing up just made sense.
1: Mm-hmm. It was the only person.
0: It was the only person who could show up. If you look at where the universe was in that in that moment of time, mm-hmm. I think it's also um, the only person you really trust to take away Grogu from Mando. Yeah. Like, if it if it had been some random Jedi it was Plo Koon. Or, or Cal like, Kestis, yeah. yeah. Like most of the people don't know who that is. They're like, oh, should we really trust? Don't don't. If it's Luke Skywalker and R two, it's like you know he's in good hands. Yeah. Um, so it just it just made sense for that, and that was such a you know another example of them innovating technology. Mm-hmm. Now they've made much more improvements on deepfake in the young know, in
1: one instance from Luke in season two Mando to Book of Boa Fett like he is they, leaps and
0: bounds. They're like we they're like we learned lots of things. The first time round of DAG. And, and they Campbell. made it easier for themselves. And the then future. they, they knocked it out of the park. They yeah. made the best deep fake. Yeah. Um, technology. It's or incredible. Around. Yeah. That was, yeah. So good. So beautiful. Yeah.
1: I feel like we're going to keep going forever. If Gosh, we don't cut we it really
0: off. We really could. How Gosh. It's probably is... like
1: an hour 20 or more.
0: Uh, hour and 30. Yeah. There we go. Well, we're at hour the longest 30. episode. We did it. Well, I guess should we wrap with our normal two segments? Sure, Yeah. So abbreviated. So if, you, if you're if you a first-time listener to this show, uh, we like to wrap up the episodes with uh, what are you watching and what are you working on? This is just kind of more of a checking in with where we are at Doom Productions, what we've been watching, what we've been working on, um, in case you're wondering for any updates on our feature films or short films or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so Ethan, uh, what have you been watching?
1: Uh, the main thing I've been watching is... Stranger Things season one mm-hmm. with my fiance. She hasn't seen it before. So we're wrapping up. We have two episodes left to go. Nice. Uh, it's been really great to revisit. Um, I like all the different seasons for different reasons. I really love season one because it's spooky. Yeah. Um, and then I've also started watching the Genius Kanye documentary. I've watched is, part what, one. What is that about? So it's literally like if someone was following with the camera, like mm-hmm. from like when he was just starting out in like 96, 97 oh, as wow. a producer, like a music producer. Um, and it's just a guy following him around and just going to meetings with him, and it's and with narration and stuff. But it's oh, just wow. literally you're tracking from the 90s to today. Oh, wow, Kanye's legacy that's pretty historic. cool. Well, actually, I gotta, yeah, check that it's out. actually really neat. Um, and so I shot on mini DV, like, I love I've only those watched little fly one. on the wall documentaries, yeah, and that's all it is. So it, it's really cool. Um just very you get just get to watch this man become who he is yeah um so i only watched part one i'm gonna probably just like do one part a week because it's like a three-part full-length mm. thing so it's, it's pretty long um but it's good yeah it's been really interesting I, kanye is someone i'm just fascinated by yeah i don't i don't even know that much about him but I like he's just someone who's a part of the pop culture he's a character zeitgeist. For sure yeah yeah so I, i'm just fascinated by him as a person and yeah. i have started to listen to his music. I, I only started listening once like Jesus is King came out. Mm-hmm. And now I've been jumping back more and forwards with keeping up with what he's releasing. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm becoming a fan. So
0: See, I've, I, I have the opposite. I um I listen to his music. Well, I guess well, it's kind of similar. I listen to a lot of his early stuff. Yeah. I don't know anything about him really other than like the TMZ kind of like tabloid yeah. drama that's played out in recent years. Yeah. But I don't know how he really became. It's super was, interesting to watch. Or...
1: To see... Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd recommend it um, nice. so far. I mean, again, I've only watched part one of the three parts. So mm-hmm. um, so that's that's the main thing I've watched. Other than that, I mean, I, I watched this new little folk film called Hotel. I got to watch it mm-hmm. as a live uh, at, the, at the first premiere. That yeah. was done at a theater up in Yakima, Washington.
0: Nice. And
1: you can all watch it for free on the RC Films YouTube channel. It's out right now. It's out right now. A Very, very cool movie.
0: I'll uh, second the Hotel thing. Was that everything you'd watch?
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. I haven't watched a lot recently.
0: I watched Hotel. Yeah. I was a producer on it. Good job, boys. Good <laughs> job, <laughs> Caleb and Nathan. We need to... We haven't talked to them since it's been released as of now, so we need to have a Zoom call at some point and just congratulate them and just rave about it more. But, um, yeah. watch Hotel. Watched Hell's a Timeshare in Florida. Joy I Dick's haven't watched movie. it yet. Uh, super fun. Liked it a lot. Um gorgeous cinematography it's uh i don't want to spoil it i was really happy with how the story played out let's just say that yeah i liked all the things how it happened um aside from those two i've been re-watching the proud family old oh, show cool. yeah they have the um, new one out now yeah so i rewatched the old series and then i watched the movie that they made in, like, 2005. And I now I've just started re-watching re-watch, the new stuff, which has been fun. I love that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I watched uh, all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies this weekend.
1: All, like, all five?
0: All five, yeah.
1: I haven't seen the fifth one. Check it out. Um, I want to. I actually... I was doing... I did a rewatch. Mm-hmm. I was going to watch all five, but I only made it through the first three, and then I got sidetracked. And I never made it through the last two.
0: I, ugh, I have a lot of thoughts on those movies, but overall one, I just... I had a fun time watching all of them yeah. this weekend. I really enjoyed them all.
1: Oh man, um, they're so cool. They're some of my favorite yeah. movies.
0: Really fun stuff. I I'm bummed there probably isn't going to be another one. No. Um, but that's another that's other, <laughs> another that's topic. topic. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed those movies. Um, and I remembered watching the 5th one and the 4th one being a little bit like not connecting with it so much, but when I rewatched it again this new time, uh I was like that was really fun. I, yeah. I like that a lot, actually. So,
1: It uh, looks cool. I, I only know... I, I know nothing about the fifth one. Yeah. Other than I've seen the character, the bad guy of it. Yeah, um, Salazar. And he just looks cool to me. Yeah. And that's all, that's all. I'm like, oh, hey, that guy looks neat. I want to see him in a movie.
0: My one thought I will share about the movies is the fourth one um, loses some of their... The cinematography and the mm-hmm. visual look is a little bit different. Yeah. And I think that's because there's a different director and a different, um, not cinematographer. Well, there might be different cinematographer. But uh, it was shot on digital. Yeah. And that was the first one that was shot digitally. And so visually, it's uh, it's not, in a weird way, it feels more similar to the first Pirates of the Caribbean than the second or the third. Interesting. Right? Because yeah. the first one has very minimal
1: yeah cgi yeah the f-
0: second and the third total cgi yeah. all about so in a weird way it goes the fourth back. one kind of felt more like visually like the first one yeah but then the fifth one visually looked a lot more similar to the second and the third interesting i know it's kind of vague but yeah no I, I can track i uh i enjoyed them quite a bit nice yeah so uh that's what we've been watching now what have we been working on you have been had a very busy week we had a Big talk about this earlier. Yeah,
1: I um, life's been busy, and it makes yeah. it really hard to work on feature films. Yeah, but I had a weekend that was very open. It was one of those few rare weekends I have where I have nothing to do. Yes, nothing pressing to do. Um, which really just means I only have one thing to do, which is oh, edit yeah. the bell rings. Oh yeah, and I took advantage of my time, and I am so close to being done with the rough cut which i know sounds which you've been dumb. saying for
0: a while but he's but like yeah i i want to say for a while it's been i'm trying to speak in this vague terms
1: that's fine i mean honestly you can whatever comes out comes out
0: you you're like it's one more step and then it's like the finish line crossing the yeah. finish line and no because honestly cut. with the bell yeah. rings
1: the rough cut is the hardest thing to assemble yeah um From here, it's honestly like things will are. It's like you have the ball almost at the top of the hill. Yeah. And then you want to roll it to the other side. Yeah. You just got to push it over the top and it takes care of itself almost.
0: By this time that you all are listening to this, the cut's done.
1: Yeah. My goal is to have it done done. by Friday and you're going to watch it next Monday. Yeah.
0: So by this time that you're all listening to this, the the movie will have been edited. The rough cut,
1: anyway. The rough cut will be edited and then it's. I mean, because again, the way we edit our movies is like, it's not like just placing clips. Mm-hmm. I mean, rough cut involves getting VFX done, getting color grading and audio and all these other things yeah. so that rough cut is more like 75% of the movie is done. Yeah. And it's just rearranging and polish from there. Yeah. So, and and uh, people in Yakima know the trailer played. Oh yeah. At the live screening of Hotel. Oh yeah. So, some people have seen the trailer for The Bell Rings already.
0: I hope it doesn't get, like... Wait, do you think... Did you take their cell phones away?
1: I didn't. I just trusted that people wouldn't record it.
0: <laughs> wait, who was at the screening? Well, luckily... You, you should have watermarked it with all their names. I know, I'm going like,
1: to have a freaking uh, No Way Home style... I mean, do you think people will find out that Andrew Garfield was in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... um, Yeah, so... Hey, we're almost there.
0: Almost there. Almost,
1: almost there. there.
0: Yeah. Um me, same thing. Working on Ladanza. Gonna do some shooting. Uh if on May 4th, actually. That's I wish I could spend the day watching Star Wars, but in fact I'm gonna go to work and then do a little filming for LaDanza and then uh we're gonna do some VFX test later, uh mm-hmm. later on. But uh yeah, that's just about, you know. Again, don't hold your breath for Ladanza to come out. It's going to take a while, but...
1: It's more of a bell rings journey than a video carnage.
0: Yes, yes. It's going to be a while, but uh, it'll be worth it in the end.
1: Yeah. That's what we've been working on. Well, this With, is a nice long episode.
0: Yeah, that's what happens when we get to talk about Star Wars um, and stuff we really enjoy, yeah. which we don't get to do often on the show, but we no. we do it when we want to procrastinate on our work. Yeah. So... Thank you for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, make sure you like and subscribe and and leave a comment down below with your thoughts on Star Wars and all that. Uh, we appreciate your v- viewership as always. And if you like Tener's talk and you haven't seen any of our feature films, uh, go check out our feature films. We got how many is it? Five. More than that. Six. S- six, seven. I lost seven? track. We got Crescendo
1: on the RC Films channel too. Oh, yeah. So we've got even more. So there's a whole bunch of stuff you can watch.
0: Yeah. A lot of stuff you can check out on our channel. Uh, But yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out our work. And until the next episode, have a good week.